Welcome to Wayne Zion Lutheran Church in Rome, Monticello. This is Sunday, November the 6th, 2022. This service was recorded Reformation Sunday of 2021. The sermon is by Pastor Wade Reddy. The accompanist is Marty Sharp. Thank you to Brian and Jody James for sponsoring this week's broadcast in honor of the wedding of Maria James and Brendan Dempster. Thank you for joining us today. October 31st, actually, this year lands on Sunday. Um, I don't know what day of the week it was when Luther, on October 31st, 19, or 1517, uh, put up the 95 Theses uh, with dispute against indulgences in which the church were selling to, be, to build the Church of St. Peter in Rome. And uh, Luther couldn't stand it. And uh, he put these uh, 95 arguments against the church, against the Pope, in trying to save uh, days out of purgatory for loved ones who have died and selling these and getting a, um, a piece of paper that says um, basically a coin in the coffin, uh, you uh, you limit or reduce the number of days in purgatory or something to that effect. And Luther um, was outlawed by the church. And because of Luther, there was lots of reformation that went forward. Welcome to this Reformation Day. We are so glad that you are with us. For those who are listening in on KMCH 94.7, greetings to you this morning. With this being Reformation Day, we have set aside a special worship for you, and so I welcome you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Luther, in his catechesis, taught the doctrine, or the primary principle, to the Lutheran faith, which is the doctrine of justification. Lutherans believe that humans are saved from their sins by God's grace alone, sola gratia, through faith alone, sola fide, on the basis of scripture alone, sola scriptura. And so we dedicate this worship service in remembering the teachings of Luther in which he taught by catechesis and catechism by asking the question, what does this mean? And so I invite you now, as we turn our hearts toward worship, and remembering that wonderful song that Luther wrote, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, Him, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us pray together the prayer of the day on this Reformation Day that's found in your bulletin insert. Almighty God, gracious Lord, we thank you that your Holy Spirit renews the church in every age. Pour out your Holy Spirit on your faithful people. Keep them steadfast in your word. Protect and comfort them in times of trial. Defend them against all enemies of the gospel and bestow on the church your saving peace. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. A reading from the Gospel of John. Glory to you, O Lord. Here in the eighth chapter, beginning at the 31st verse, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you know the truth, and the truth will make you free. 
They answered him, we are descendants of Abraham and have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean by saying you will be made free? Jesus answered them, very truly I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not have a permanent place in the household. The son has a place there forever. So if the son makes you free, you are free indeed. The gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Well, grace and peace to, God our, to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. God's word is all that we need. In today's gospel, Jesus shared with the believing Jews, those who believed that Jesus was the Messiah that the prophets of old had spoken, had come among them bringing God's word. If they continue in his word, the incarnate, they will know the truth of God's love, of God's forgiveness and God's mercy through the means of God's grace. Yet this truth did not sit well with them, the Jews, who reminded Jesus that they have God's promise found in their father Abraham, for they are his descendants to make them a great nation, to bless them, that they are God's chosen people. And they knew that they would be reserved for God's um, holiness in heaven. We are blessed and we are not slaves as you propose they share with Jesus. What do you mean that you will set us free? And Jesus with compassion reminds them going all the way back to Adam that we are all slaves to sin. We are condemned and that we will die. But those who place their their faith, not in religion, but in the very relationship with Jesus, will be forgiven and given eternal life, setting them free from the anchors and the weights of sin, death, and the devil. As we sang, in a mighty fortress is our God. The devil is always on the prowl, always at work. We can choose to be slaves to Satan, or we can choose to be children of God. It is all about relationship. Luther, who was a monk, a theologian, a professor, a priest, a man, came face to face with religion versus relationship with God. He knew in his heart that there was nothing that he could do to save himself. He tried as much as he possibly could as a monk to live the Ten Commandments, to have a faith in the Apostles' Creed, and to pray the Lord's Prayer. And he came to odds with the religious forces that were condemning the people and sharing with them that there was a way in which they could buy their way out of purgatory, not only for them, but for loved ones who had died. It was through indulgences that they could somehow help themselves and help uh, to ward away hell. And the Pope used these indulgences for the building of St. Peter Cathedral in Rome on the backs of the people. And Luther could stand it no longer. As a theologian and a professor, he found a scripture that really resonated with him that maybe opened up his thinking and understanding about our relationship with God, that there's nothing that we can do to save ourselves, nor 
can a pope or anyone else. And he found this truth in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For the Paul had, had wrote, For by grace, that is, God's grace alone, you have been saved through faith, and it's not your own doing, it is a gift from God. Not the results of works, so that no one may boast. Thus we are saved from our sins by God's grace alone, through faith alone, and on the basis of scripture alone. Sola gratia, sola fide, sola scriptura. And so we begin our Reformation Day and the celebration that we have with two, with three, excuse me, three adults who are going to affirm their baptism through the rite of confirmation this morning, we will um, begin Luther's small catechism. For all of us to understand what it is that Luther was teaching. And so we begin with the Ten Commandments. The first commandment, you shall have no other gods, and being this is, G, or is uh, Luther's small catechism, he asked the question, what does this mean? We are to fear, love, and trust God above all things. The second commandment, you shall not make wrongful use of the name of your Lord God. What does this mean? We are to fear and love God so that we do not curse, swear, practice magic, lie, or deceive using God's name, but instead use that very name in every time of need, to call on, to pray to, to praise and give thanks to God. The third commandment, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. What does this mean? We are to fear and love God so that we do not despise preaching or God's word, but instead keep that word holy and gladly hear and learn from it. The fourth commandment, honor your mother and your father. What does this mean? Luther wrote, we are to fear and love God so that we neither despise nor anger our parents or others in authority, but instead honor, serve, obey, love, and respect them. The fifth commandment, you shall not murder. What does this mean? We are to fear and love God so that we neither endanger nor harm the lives of our neighbors, but instead help them and support them in all of their life's needs takes it much further than just strangling the life out of someone. It is all about helping our neighbor. The sixth commandment, you shall not commit adultery. What does this mean? We are to fear and love God so that we, need, we lead pure and decent lives in word and deed, and each of us loves and honors his or her spouse. The seventh commandment, you shall not steal. What does this mean? Luther writes, we are to fear and love God so that we neither take our neighbor's money or property nor acquire them by using shoddy merchandise or crooked deals, but instead help them to improve and protect their property and their income. The eighth commandment, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. What does this mean? We are to fear and love God so that we do not tell lies about our neighbors, betray or slander them or destroy their reputations. Instead, Luther writes, we are to come to their defense, to speak well of them and interpret everything that they do 
in the very best light. The ninth commandment, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. What does this mean? We are to fear and love God so that we do not try to trick our neighbors out of their inheritance or their property or try to get it for ourselves by claiming we have a legal right to it and the like. But instead, be of help in service to them in keeping what is theirs. The Tenth Commandment. You shall not covenant your neighbor's wife or male or female slave or ox or donkey or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. What does this mean? We are to fear and love God so that we do not entice, force, or steal away from our neighbors, their spouses, their household workers, or livestock, but instead urge them to stay and fulfill their responsibilities to our neighbors. What then does God say about all these commandments? God says the following. I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for their inequity of parents to the third and fourth generation of those who reject me by showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation to those who love me and keep my commandments. What does this mean? God threatens to punish all who break these commandments. Therefore, we are to fear his wrath and not disobey his commandments. However, God promises grace and every good thing to all of those who keep these commandments. Therefore, we also are to love and trust him and gladly act according to his commandments. The Ten Commandments. Will you join me with me in the prayer that you find printed in your bulletin after the Ten Commandments? O oh God, you send forth your commandments upon the earth. Your word runs very swiftly. Let your Holy Spirit so prepare our minds and wills for your teaching that no carelessness or shallowness of love or ease may hinder us from bringing forth the fruits of righteousness by which the world may know that we are followers of your blessed Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The second uh, petition in Luther's small catechism comes from the Apostles' Creed. And so that we read the first article on creation. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. What does this mean? I believe that God has created me together with all that exists, that God has given me and still preserves my body and my soul, my eyes, my ears, and all my limbs and senses, reason and all mental faculties. In addition, God daily and abundantly provides its shoes and clothing, our food and drink, our home and farm, spouse and children, fields and livestock and all property. Along with all the necessities and nourishment for this body and life, God protects me against all danger and shields and preserves me from all evil. All this is done out of pure fatherly and divine goodness and mercy, without any merit or worthiness of mine at all. For all of this, I owe it to God to thank and to praise, to serve and obey him. And what follows, you all know this and can say with me, this is most certainly true. The second article, the article on redemption. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven, and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come to judge the living and the dead.
What does this mean? Luther writes, I believe that Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father in eternity, and also true human being born of the Virgin Mary, is my Lord. He has redeemed me, a lost and condemned human being. He has purchased and freed me from all sins, from death, and from the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but by his holy and precious blood, and with his innocent suffering and death. He has done all of this in order that I may belong to him, live under him in his kingdom, and serve him in eternal righteousness, innocence, and blessedness, just as he has risen from the dead and lives and rules eternally. This is most certainly true. The third article on being made holy. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. What does this mean? Luther writes, I believe that by my own understanding and strength, I cannot believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him, but instead the Holy Spirit has called me through the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, made me holy, and kept me in true faith. Just as he calls, gathers, enlightens, and makes holy the whole Christian church on earth and keeps it with Jesus Christ in the one common true faith. Daily in this Christian church, the Holy Spirit abundantly forgives all our sins, mine and those of all believers. And on the last day, the Holy Spirit will raise me and all the dead and will give me and all believers in Christ the gift of eternal life. This is most certainly true. Will you pray with me the prayer that's printed below the Apostles' Creed? Lord, open our eyes and our hearts that we may heed your wisdom and let your word be light to our path. Speak to us through your living word that we may obey your call and follow him whom you have sent, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Lord, we present before you our tithes and our offerings as a sacrifice unto you in the furtherment of the church and bringing God's word to all the corners of the earth. Thank you for the ministry that you've called us together in at Wayne Zion Lutheran Church. And bless these gifts in feeding the hungry and the poor and all of those in need. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We continue with Luther's small catechism, the Lord's Prayer. The introduction, our Father in heaven, what does this mean? Luther writes, with these words, God wants to attract us so that we come to believe he is truly our Father and we are truly his children in order that we may ask him boldly and with complete confidence, just as loving children ask a loving father. The first petition of the Lord's Prayer, hallowed be your name. What does this mean? It is true that God's name is holy in itself, but we ask in this prayer that we may also become holy in and among us. How does this come about? Whenever the word of God is taught clearly and purely, and we, as God's children, also live holy lives according to it, to this end helps us, dear Father in heaven. However, whoever teaches and lives otherwise than the word of God teaches, dishonors the name of God among us, preserves us from this heavenly Father. The second petition is your kingdom come. Well, what does this mean? In fact, God's kingdom comes on its own whether we pray it or not but we ask it in this prayer that it may come to us. So how does this come about? 
Whenever our Heavenly Father gives us his Holy Spirit so that through the Holy Spirit's grace we believe God's holy word and live godly lives here in time and thereafter in eternity. The third petition, your will be done on earth as in heaven. What does this mean? In fact, God's good and gracious will comes about without our prayer, but we ask in this prayer that it may also come about in and among us. How does this come about? Whenever God breaks and hinders every evil scheme and will, as are present in the will of the devil, the world, and our flesh, that would not allow us to hollow God's name would prevent the coming of the kingdom. And instead, whenever God strengthens us and keeps us steadfast in his word and in faith until the end of our lives, this is God's gracious and good will. Fourth petition, give us today our daily bread. In fact, God gives daily bread without our prayer, even to all evil people. But we ask in this prayer that God cause us to recognize what our daily bread is and to receive it with thanksgiving. So what does daily bread mean? Everything, everything included in the necessities and the nourishment of our bodies. Not only food and drink, but also clothing and shoes, house and farm, fields and livestock, money and property and upright spouse and upright children, upright members of the household, upright and faithful rulers. Good government, good weather, peace, health, decency, honor, good friends, faithful neighbors, and the like. Have you ever thought of daily bread in those terms as Luther has? The fifth petition. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. What does this mean? We ask in this prayer that our Heavenly Father would not regard our sins nor deny these petitions on their account. For we are worthy of nothing for which we ask, nor have we earned it. Instead, we ask that God would give us all these things by grace. For we daily sin much and indeed deserve only punishment. So on the other hand, we too truly want to forgive heartily and to do good gladly to those who sin against us. The sixth petition, save us from the time of trial. What does this mean? It is true that God tempts no one but we ask in this prayer that God would preserve and keep us so that the devil, the world, and our flesh may not deceive us or mislead us into false disbelief, despair, or other great and shameful sins. And that although we may be attacked by them, we may finally prevail and gain the victory. The seventh petition, deliver us from evil. What does this mean? We ask in this prayer, as in a summary, that our Father in heaven may deliver us from all kinds of evil, affecting body or soul or property or reputation. And at last, when our final hour comes, may grant us a blessed end and take us by grace from this valley of tears to himself in heaven. And then we have the conclusion in the Lord's Prayer, the doxology. The kingdom and the power and the glory are yours now and forever. So what does this mean? that I should be certain that such petitions and acceptable to and heard by our Father in heaven, for he himself commanded us to pray like this and has promised to hear us, amen, amen, which means yes, yes. It is going to come about just like this. Will you join with me in the prayer that follows our Lord's prayer? 
O God, mercifully assist us in our prayers. Direct our lives toward the goal of everlasting salvation, that surrounded by all changes and uncertainties of life, we may be defended by your gracious and ready help in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The teaching, Martin Luther's teaching of the sacrament of Holy Communion. What is baptism? Luther writes, baptism is not simply plain water. Instead, it is water used according to God's command and connected with God's word. What then is this word of God? Where our Lord Jesus Christ says in Matthew 28, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. What gifts or benefits does baptism grant us? It brings about forgiveness of sins. It redeems from death and the devil. And it gives eternal salvation to all who believe it, as the words and the promise of God declare. What are these words and promises of God? Where our Lord Jesus Christ said in the Gospel of Mark, Mark 16, the one who believes and is baptized to be saved, but the one who does not believe will be condemned. How can water do such great things? Clearly the water does not do it, writes Luther, but the word of God, which is with and alongside the water, and faith, which trusts this word of God in the water. For without the word of God, the water is plain water and not a baptism. But with the word of God, it is a baptism, that is, a grace-filled water of life and a bath of new birth in the Holy Spirit. As St. Paul says to Titus in chapter 3, through the water of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit, this Spirit he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is sure. What then is significant of such a baptism with water? It's significant that the old person in us, with all his sins and evil desires, is to be drowned and died through the valley of sorrow for sin and through repentance. And on the other hand, that daily a new person is coming forth and rise up to live before God in righteousness and purity forever. Where is this written? St. Paul says in Romans 6, We were buried with Christ through baptism into death so that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. Let us continue with Luther's small catechism with the Holy Communion. What is the sacrament of the altar, Holy Communion? It is the true body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ under the bread and the wine instituted by Christ himself for Christians to eat and to drink. Where is this written? The holy evangelist Matthew, Mark, Luke, and the St. Paul write thus. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread and gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. What is the benefit of such eating and drinking? The words given for you and shed for you 
for the forgiveness of sin. Show us that forgiveness of sin, life and salvation are given to us in the sacrament through these words because where there is forgiveness of sin, there is also life and salvation. How can bodily eating and drinking do such thing? Luther writes, eating and drinking certainly do not do it, but rather the words that are recorded, given for you, shed for you for the forgiveness of sin. These words, when accompanied with the physical eating and the drinking, are the essential thing in the sacrament. And whoever believes these very words has what they declare and state, namely, forgiveness of sins. Who, then, receives the sacrament worthy, worthily? Fasting and bodily preparation are, in fact, a fine external discipline, but a person who has faith in these words, given for you, shed for you, for the forgiveness of sins, is really worthy and well-prepared. However, a person who does not believe these words or doubts them is unworthy and unprepared because the words for you require truly believing hearts. Let us pray together the, Lord, the prayer below Holy Communion. O Lord, Heavenly Father, who has given to us your people the bread, the true bread that comes down from heaven, your Son, Jesus Christ, who gives life to the world that may abide in him and he in us, and your church be filled with the power of his unending life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. I offer this blessing. May the Lord's face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord look upon you with favor and grant you his peace. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks be to God. Liturgy, copyright 2021, Augsburg Fortress. All rights reserved. Music and lyrics reprinted with permission under one license. Number A-729734. All rights reserved.